Welcome back to Turning Little Stones and the third of our Out and About series. You can catch up with the others, that's episode number five, Woodland Adventures, and episode 12, Heathland Adventures, um, by going back into the podcasts. So we recorded this episode after an exhilarating, aka cold, beach school session with a group of year one children from a local primary school. And with me is Libby Scarf, who ran the session. She is a primary school teacher with over 20 years' experience, and three years ago she trained as a beach school leader, and now she runs her own company called Seaside Explorers. And so, after spending the morning with her and this year one school group down at the beach, we talk about the huge benefits of being out and about, and this time we're exploring the seaside. Enjoy. Welcome to Turning Little Stones, the podcast that takes a fresh look at the fascinating world of young children. As a parent, experienced childcare professional, and early years consultant, I get how much we dream good things for our children. We start out hopeful and confident, and yet somehow the daily reality can feel more like a grind than a gift. And so we easily miss out on the joys of these fleeting early years. Over time, I've come to realize that to give our children the best start in life, we first need to recognize what's going on inside them in secret. There is some great research out there, and my heart is to make some of this relatable for everyone. And so throughout these weekly podcasts, I hope that whoever you are, parent, family carer, childminder, practitioner, anyone who spends time with young children can take a moment each week to reinterpret what our children are doing and why. And by doing so, I have seen countless exasperated, bewildered, exhausted carers become re-energized and inspired as they find easy ways to connect with what their young children are naturally eager to do. A little like turning over a pebble in a rock pool to discover a hidden world tucked away. We too will look at our children with fresh eyes and delight in being part of their journey. Okay, so this morning I met, met you at the school, uh, half past nine, something like that, with... Um, this lovely snake of children walking to the beach. It was quite a walk, wasn't it? But yeah, I was just curious. I mean, lots of them, it's a local primary school. Um, most children will live locally. What's the excitement for them about coming somewhere different? Um, it's not school. It's not in the building. Yeah. Don't have to sit still so much, I suppose. It's not rigid. There's more, lots more flexibility. A lot of them, it is novel. There's a lot of them, I think, that don't use the beach at all. Mm. Um, some very rarely. Mm. Um, and often in these cases, if they do go to the beach, it, they're left to their own devices and perhaps their activity isn't guided or appreciated. I, I don't know, it's hard to say. I've been doing this nearly for three years, nearly three years now, and I have come across children who live in this locality at the age of seven, eight, nine, and they've never been to the local beach. 
And when you tell local people that, they can't believe it. But it is true. I think what's really important, whether you live by the beach, whether you live by a glorious woodland or a forest or a heathland, or whether you live in a tower block, the important thing as a parent, perhaps, I think probably your first call to nature should be with your parent or your caregiver. The first and important thing is, is you find a connection with your own backyard. And I use that in inverted commas because mm -hmm. your backyard could be anywhere or anything, couldn't it, depending on where you live. Mm -hmm. And so let's say you do live in a tower block. Let's take the most difficult, probably sterile environment. And perhaps it's because it was how I was as a child, left my own devices an awful lot. The, the nature exploration was never really fostered. It was... a uh, get out, I'm cooking, I'm doing this, go outside and, you know, my mum used to joke, go and play in the traffic. That was, <laughs> it was, it was meant with love. Um, and I was allowed to wander in the garden. We had a river at the bottom of my garden uh, that flowed fairly fast and in parts was quite deep. Probably if I look at those children today, parts of it would probably come up to their chest, shoulder, part, little sections of it were. And I was allowed to put on my dad's waders... Well, I wasn't allowed, that's what I did. I put on my dad's waders and I would go up and down the river on my own for hours on end and I couldn't swim. And that was my childhood and that was the childhood of my generation. My husband says the same. He was just allowed out to go and explore. So I had a connection with my back garden and the river and if, you, if that's where I was in London for a time, if you were here, you generally had a connection with your where you were allowed to go and play and find mischief so i would say to anyone with their children if if you that's what you need to foster connection with your own back garden or your own backyard yeah. so if you are in somewhere like a tower block it's a sterile environment but there are little corners corners where the, the dirt has built up and community gardens and all sorts yeah yeah there are corners where you, you think nothing's happening but let's notice the moss doesn't the moss look like a miniature forest yeah. doesn't you know or where the dirt's built up in a corner and there might be some worms living in that because they will colonize anywhere or uh, oh, do you see the seagulls and the birds sitting on there they're always there they were there yesterday that is you building a connection with your environment not necessarily toasting marshmallows or building beach volcanoes or learning how to whittle. Do you know what I mean? I feel like those are special activities. Your, your connection needs to be with your immediate surroundings first and foremost because once you connect with it, you want to take care of it. Thank you. Good. Really good. So today's session... We walked down there. Well, before we even stepped out of the out of the um, the entrance to the school, you were introducing them to the idea of direction and turning right, um, and how many times they would need to turn right. So that was that was really interesting. So you hadn't you weren't you weren't squashing any enthusiasm. You were kind of building right from the beginning that even this walk is going to be some discovery for us. And you were introducing them to that. And then we arrived at the, the sign, 
just outside the beach, um, which was in the form of quite a stylized map. And you were pointing out some mapping references to the children at that point before we'd even arrived on the beach. And you did it beautifully. So you, how much do you prepare beforehand? Because, and, and then, you know, obviously we'll talk about the activities that you did on the beach or the children did on the beach. But that was curious. You know, was that, was that something you'd... You wanted to do it was part of an educational program or something to I mean you're you're a trained teacher you're a qualified teacher you know what boxes need to be ticked in the national curriculum um but yeah how much of that was thought about beforehand I kicked myself because I meant to do it last week I wanted to plant the seed of a map but I and when I got home I was like oh I didn't do that <laughs> <laughs> um, so yes, I had to. I, I literally wrote it for this week's plan as the first thing to do. Don't forget the map, because uh, we did look at a map last week. We did. I had with me some because I wanted them to build an island. I had a just a picture of uh, the British Isles. So we looked at the fact that the island we are an island and talked about what an island looks like so they had a little input of map but it was even more important for this week because i wanted to make them to make a simple map eventually so it was lovely so what what we then did we went down to the beach you were i loved oh gosh i loved that you you invited children to pick up two little pebbles and we created the uh, our own circle just through skating around in a big, large circle. And the children just, this was their second session down at the beach. They kind of knew what to do. You, you, you'd managed it in such a way that they immediately did. There was nobody sitting outside the circle. They knew what to do. And then you were beginning to tap out rhythm and dynamics just with, just with the two Two pebbles being tapped together. Magic. Mm. Really lovely. Mm. It is. They have done it. It is, it is their second session in, in this um, set of uh, beach school sessions. Um, but those children have all been exposed to beach school back in their reception class. Okay. So I have done it with them before. And I generally start each session with stone music. I call it stone music. And um, the, the building of the circle is something that just evolved because you, children historically don't sit in circles. Yeah. <laughs> I find it really difficult. So the, the I, I, I mean, I'll, I'll do tiptoes, I'll do big steps, I'll do side steps, yes. I'll do something so that they end up forming a circle but also moving in a certain way because I'm very mm -hmm. conscious of them of their physical development yeah. and moving in different ways on that surface in the sand. That's something I'm really keen on because the children, I find today's children aren't physically strong mm -hmm. or physically resilient. And the, let's do an aside here, I mean, you had some adults, you obviously had the class teacher, you had some TAs and you had a couple of parent helpers and myself tagging along. You were very clear about how they were to be involved and how they were to engage, model what you're wanting the children to be doing. 
you're encouraging them to be in the group doing exactly the same. Most of them were. And that was clearly important. And you suggested that people lost their reservations before they entered the beach. <laughs> children model their parents. Children, children model their adults, yeah. don't they? And, and if, if you're an adult on the outskirts not joining in or looking at your phone, does the child not look up and think, what am I doing here? What are you doing? What are we doing? Is, this, is their behaviour, is that more important than what I'm meant to be doing here? That, yeah. that dynamic mm. as well. Yeah, yeah, really good. I like adults to learn alongside the children as well, especially when it's parent and children sessions. You know, the idea that, oh, we could do this at home, we could do something like this in the garden, or we could do this again, or, you know. I don't want them to be chatting and missing out. Yeah, I was talking to the children on the way back, actually, and saying, oh, you know, are you going to come back to the beach and show your family what you've been up to? Because it, it was a magic session. What what else did we do? We, um, you referred to... Um, you referred to making an island, which you'd done last week. And this time you were considering what would make a good island. Um, and then you encouraged the children to go and find rock and the clay. That was real claggy clay. It wasn't very nice. It would be a, the area of the beach that you would avoid normally, isn't it? Well, I have to say, actually, um, I... Uh, I I did have a little flutter of, of panic when there were children out there. So I was within earshot and eyeshot of them and they were they found the stinking, sinking mud, as I call it. I was thinking, yeah, it's a good job I'm out here and we can just avoid those areas, actually, because that could be a big problem <laughs> <laughs> if I lost a child. <laughs> I don't think I would lose a child, but I was just thinking, some children might panic if they got yeah. stuck. And I have had that happen beside me. Suddenly they can't move and suddenly that's a massive panic. Yeah, yeah, so, well, it would be. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, actually you made fun of the fact that it was a grubby place to be. You marked your own face. You encouraged a TA to get mud on her face as well. Um, yeah, it's, again, giving the children permission. They don't need to come back from the beach pristine. No, there were two or three, possibly more, that still refused to not get their hands dirty. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this is also mark, marking, marking our faces is planting also an idea that I'm going to move on to Aboriginal art. Mm. Um and they're going to be grinding chalk and mixing their own paint and defacing Tendering District Council sea wall with these things. And then we will also move on to the idea that Aboriginals mark themselves. So mm. hence the, the idea that you can do that too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Better so. than any party dress. <laughs> <laughs> so there is a bit of that as well. I wanted them to see that. It's okay, splodge, splodge, splodge. Mm. No, no, I loved it. So then they went on to creating, in, in small groups, their own island, designing it, um, thinking about the properties of the materials that they were using, learning how to decorate. Uh, that was lovely. You know, I saw children discovering little clamshells and larger shells as well. 
and considering what might live there. A child picked up a mermaid's purse. I knew what it was. That was stunning. That was lovely to see that. And, and I was learning. I was learning, actually, seeing how the clay being modelled, some didn't use, some sort of used the clay just to squidge the stones together or, or the larger pebbles together. And others made a huge, smooth base um, for their island, which they then evolved and it was fascinating really interesting to see what what they did and then the magic well it was all magic so they they then collected water from the sea of course to create their island and then you talked about treasure <laughs> treasure island and that was that was just lovely yeah what i'm hoping is that because it's um the session is influenced by their curriculum map at school. Is what I'm hope what I aim for with my school session school sessions is that I bolster. I think is probably the right word the learning that goes on at school. I don't. Uh, they've done plenty of marine learning with me about marine species, seaweeds, habitats. They've they've done all that before when they were in class one, and it's something I will again pick up on hence why someone's able to pick up and mermaid's person know what it is so i kind of mix in that marine environment habitat learning with the curriculum that they have ahead at the school so i I was able to pick out the fact that they were doing islands and that's a gift that's a geographical objective but that's a gift to somebody like me um uh so I was able to pick up on that. And then they will be, they're doing maps. They'll be doing maps in the classroom. Uh, so I'm hoping that I made that learning real. Yes. I think it's probably the best way to describe it because out of the 29 children today, not all of them did the aerial view map and I didn't tell them to do the aerial view map. So you can see where they are already in their sort of knowledge so it's a good it's a good indicator to the teacher where are they actually what's their understanding of what they're looking at and also for them if you're doing a map there's a purpose to your map like i said about the sign what's the purpose why we, why do we have one because if your map isn't any good i can't find your treasure which I found out and like... Oh, yes, I couldn't find a treasure in one of them, yeah. <laughs> but that's not where it says it is on the map. Yeah. And where's your marker? Uh, but well, you can see the, oh, yeah, that doesn't work. Oh, no, uh, we got that wrong. But uh, that's fine. Yeah, 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 no, no, it's fine because it then they'll take that and then bring that back to the classroom and they'll think, no, this has got to be a bit more... Uh, specific. I've got to be a bit more careful about what I've done here because we couldn't find the treasure. <laughs> so, yeah. So the idea is you bolster... Um, for me, it's bolstering learning at school. So I'm not, I've not found anything I couldn't do at the beach yet. I've done poetry, maths, bar charts, Vikings. Brilliant. Yeah, I mean, the possibilities are just endless. They are. And I love it. And that, for me, is um, that is the gift. And I do mean gift. And I 
give thanks for that gift. That is the gift of beach school to me. To me, especially because that is that's what I signed up to be a teacher for: making learning interesting and fun. And what would I like to do if I was six? <laughs> what would I learn from? That's that's what I that's what I do it for. The staff that you take, um, the the class teacher, I think it was probably her first or second session, so she's not. Yes, she's never actually been experienced out with this. No. Be before. But in your other experience, have you noticed that the staff gain a different perspective on the children? You know, they're actually noticing more about the child's natural learning style, or or what they're naturally interested in doing and their their inclinations for learning. Um, I have seen that. Yeah. I have definitely seen that um, with other classes, that the adults are able to observe them in a different environment and think, oh, I didn't know they were into that. I, like, I know that class fairly well, um, but... There was a couple of individuals today. I think one of them might be near you. His map was... Wasn't it? Supreme. Yeah, yeah. And I hope... I can't guarantee, but I hope the class teacher looks through those when she gets back and goes, wow. I might even email her later. Um, and he was so careful. That That was fascinating, actually, because there was quite a dominant girl in that group... And she she was determined and everyone else was acquiescing as where where the treasure should be hidden. Um, and he was absolutely very, very happy to to go along with that. He wasn't conflicting with that shared agreement at all. But you could see him working out exactly where it was on his map because it wasn't somewhere he would have naturally hidden it. And he kept touching it and covering it over just to make sure that it was well hidden afterwards. No, there was a lot of attention to detail there. He's an interesting little fellow, actually. He's really taken by the beach, really taken by the beach. And on previous beach school sessions, I've watched him just standing at the water's edge, just watching the water, and that's all he wants to do. And there's no, there's no, 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 no. no issues or anything like that, no special considerations of any kind he just he really takes to that environment so to see see something else that he's got a special light shining for is um it's really good but you know in other case in other groups they still did even some with plenty of adult intervention um <laughs> there wasn't an aerial map created it was like a picture of what was in front of them so it was it was uh, a portrait as opposed to a map and yeah. graphical representation <laughs> um yeah, yeah. yeah there's so much came out of that session really was and i guess they're just learning to relax a little bit more as teachers you know i saw at the end when you you asked you know you were suggesting it's time to get ready to go home and i suddenly saw this this class teacher become class teacher again and, you know, call the children and put on her, you know, authoritative voice. But actually, for two and a half hours or two, whatever it was, she had actually been quite relaxed and hopefully seeing more about the children who, who were in her class 
uh, and gaining more information about what what's working for them and hopefully she can build on that i have seen that before you do see them decompress because teachers are tired and they have got an awful lot of work to do and there is an awful lot of pressure and so with all those things comes the stress as well and you do you do see that fall away when they come to the beach because they're not in inverted commas in charge yes the pressure isn't on them to deliver to manage it's you know it's for me to worry about as it were and you do see them relax and when you are relaxed you can enjoy the children more i think so what you're doing is actually a gift to the teaching profession locally in this area yeah. come and have and a come and have a little holiday to the children and to and to families to explore their backyard as you say more purposefully beautiful really lovely uh, we could go on to talk about the impacts on children's behaviours and what they're learning, but I actually think that's irrelevant. <laughs> I think you just cover everything. There's nothing that children aren't benefiting from, from being that in that environment. I also see it as a great equaliser, you know, in a different environment where, where maybe one child in, at school might be on the fringes, um, you know, be coming to their full. Yeah, the little lad you were saying, watching the the sea. Um, yeah, maybe a little bit quiet. The the one that created the most amazing map, maybe a little bit quiet elsewhere. You got that feeling he was probably at the quieter end of things. And conversely, um, your archetypal, very busy little girl. They often are sort of bustly little matrons at the age of six and seven, aren't they? Yes. Especially if they're the eldest child. And they normally do really well in the school setting, the classroom setting, paper, worksheets, boards, things to do, at a table. Often it's the little girl that's quite industrious in the classroom, well-behaved, everything, doing everything she's meant to be doing, fantastic. Actually quite often struggles at the beach because there, there are no walls, there are no tables, you know, there are no sheets to be filled in, this isn't straightforward, you have to think outside the box, you have to roll your sleeves up, there might be some dirt, you know, and there, there's, I'm, you know, I'm stereotyping, yeah. but I have got a child in my head, yeah. hand up all the time, able to answer all the questions. In fact, last week she told me, because she, she'd been to a couple of sessions outside of school, her and her friend, she said, we are going to be the experts that are here at the beach school today because we've come so often, Libby, haven't we? <laughs> yes, you probably are. <laughs> but it's not about, for me, I want them all to have a great time yeah. and enjoy themselves and laugh and smile and sing and jump and, you know, get dirty. Mm. I'm not, I don't particularly, I'm not that worried if it's right, yeah. you know, because I always say to them when we do anything, perhaps they have to write anything down. So, Spelling doesn't count at the beach. That's what we want. Yeah. <laughs> Which for a, a primary school teacher is quite hard to say. It's quite <laughs> lovely. It's quite refreshing to hear, actually. Yeah. I don't care because that's not what we're here for. We're here for the the 
You're, you're building lifelong learners and lifelong explorers. I love the I love the fact that you're called seaside explorers. I, I think that's lovely rather than beach school. I, I, I like that. So what what I suppose at the, towards the end of our conversation, what are your hopes for 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 these children? What are you are you, you you're obviously ecologically minded and you want children to not only love, but to value, to learn to respect, to learn to look after um, the environment. But I so I don't want to put words into your, your head. But what what are your real, genuine hopes, long term hopes that might? Well, I mean, if I could, <clears throat> if I was allowed to dream and wax lyrical. You can. <laughs> for, so the first of all is I want to be outside with children. And I want them enjoying themselves. That's the first thing. The first thing. Second of all, I want them to appreciate their environment and learn to love it and take care of it. And the more you learn and the more you're exposed to it, the more you will Mm -hmm. take care and love and appreciate your environment. There's probably some theory behind that. I don't know what it is. But after those children have had a lovely time at the beach and they've fallen in love with it and they want to take care of it more and they'll think twice about the things that they buy in a shop, they'll think twice about the things they put in the rubbish, they'll think about a greater implication of what we do is I use a lot of recycled things. Um, I take tubs and trays and plastic and all kinds of things from my house and I bring it to the beach, especially with the preschoolers, and show parents, you do not have to go out and buy the next greatest, latest thing for your child to have a good time. I also put in toy boxes. There's one that's sitting on my patio, actually, that needs to go back out onto the prom. Toy boxes, toy libraries. So the children can come to the beach. There are buckets and spades provided already in there. They go and play with them for a nice time. And then when they're finished, put them back in there, they go home. So they're not purchasing more plastic, there's plastic not being made, used. Um, and, you know, it's the idea of a circular thing that's going on, helping the world. So there's that impact on the children coming to the beach. And then finally, as they come to have their own children, I want them to bring them to the beach mm. because I think that's the biggest thing that's lost. Yes. And I could probably... <sighs> it's probably a sociological study to be done but I just think the interaction of parents with children is less and less in comparison to what it used to be when I was a child teaching parents how to sit and play and be interested with their children or what they're doing or to think up fun things to do I just think that's less and less and less now um, and it's lost. And I think with the advance of the technical, digital age as well, the ability to get lost in the environment is 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 gone. So, you know, for instance, what else could you have on your island today? I said, well, how about a tree? Oh, I haven't got any trees. What can we find to make a tree? I remember myself as a child, I would have dragged the adult and said, come and see what I found. I found this. I found that. But today, 
I have to bring the child to the example of what they might be able to find mm. because the not maybe it's not the initiative, mm. the joy, the wonder, the exploration, the imagination. It's the imagination, it's thinking outside the box, which is what you said earlier. Yeah. yeah. I want. Uh, I don't want to create an army of little me's, but I remember being lost in nature when I was a child mm. and, and loving it and still being like that now. Mm. Why wouldn't you be in love with your nature and your environment and, you know, the drama and the soap opera that goes on in a rock pool? Mm. You know... That, you know, they're actually quite violent, these limpets. They're horrid. And did you know when enemies throw harpoons at each other? What? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, so there's the real nature that's going on and then there's being immersed in it and losing yourself in it, which is hopefully what they can take away. Captivated by the beauty of it, yeah. Yeah, thank you. Just before we go, you've mentioned a project that you're currently involved in. I would love you to explain to the listeners what what that is and what they might like to look out for. I um, came upon the Time and Tide Bell project, which... Um, Time and Tide Bell. Yeah, yeah. Time and Tide Bell. It could be www.timeandtidebell.org. And they are... Um, it's a project where bells are installed around the coast. I think there are about nine installed already and there are about three in the offing. And we were lucky enough to get one here in Harwich. So it's essentially an art installation, but what it does is the bell rings at high tide with the action of the water mm. on the bottom of it. And it's to get people to notice yeah. things, to notice the bell, to notice the sea, and thereby create more connection, more awareness, mm -hmm. pointing particularly towards climate change. From that, two other um, mini-projects have sprung up because... On the way, often with these things, you find things out, you see holes or you see potential. So one of the projects is called Coastal Connections, um, where I've been interviewing local people about lost skills, lost memories, the history, their lives that have been dictated by the sea. So I've interviewed fishermen. 30 years ago, there were 30 fishermen here. There are now six. Why? So the implications, what's happened? Why are there now only six? What, what's that story? Because it will become, it, it, it will die out here eventually. And then you won't be able to see those rustic piles of nets sitting on the, on the, the pier that make such a lovely photograph. They will be gone because there's no purpose, there's no point to them. So interviewing people like that, finding out about their lives and the other project that sprung up from this coastal network and connectivity and education is um, a kind of beach school education project where in the towns where the bells are, we're going to take children, particularly children, a focus where they're underprivileged. Yeah. Harwich is second on the scale of childhood deprivation nationally. Um, I think behind, just behind Jaywick. Yeah. Um, so you've got that, it kind of goes hand in hand and you've got social, economic problems, deprivation. Where is your connectivity to your environment? 
like I said before to people, you know, your average single mum with three children to get out the door who's trying to make ends meet does not give a monkeys about rising sea levels mm. or what creatures are down the beach. Mm. She doesn't. She's just worried about getting through the day mm. and putting food on the table. So it's addressing that and trying to... And also addressing the fact that our children are disconnected from their environment. I have met children, and this will... You know, we said earlier... I've met children that have never been to the beach and they live here. Yeah. I have met children at the beach and they've been talking to me and quite happily said to me, why has it gone dark? And it's because a cloud has gone in front of the sun and they have no concept of that. And they're seven or they're eight. Or another instance, I've been at the edge, edge of the water with children and we've been skimming stones. I've been showing them how to skim stones. So the surprising factor number one is... Mm. They don't know how to skim a stone. Again, harping back to my own childhood, I could do that, but I was about six. They're seven, eight, nine. They still they can't do it, don't know how to do it. No one's shown them how to do it. But to have one of those children turn around to me and say, where did you get your stone? And they're standing on them. Like I've got some special stone that's come from Amazon. I don't know. So I see, I see there are little glimmers and insights into what our children are like. They are disconnected from their environment. Never, so never mind their attention span or their imagination, they are disconnected from the outside world. Thank you. Uh, you know, it's been an absolute joy to listen to you. It's an absolute joy to watch you in action down at the beach. Um, will you let us know when these things are happening and and publicized and and we can signpost the listeners oh, well. to, to what what and where to go and where to see and i guess these um tide and tide bells are going to be in, or are installed and more installed all around the country so really wherever you live um in the uk there there should be something not too far away that would be great. It, the The website, the Coastal Connections Project, is already up on the website. So they've they've started it off, and um, so I think the last time I checked, it was about a week ago. They had um, they had a description of the project, and they had some photographs up of some of the people I've interviewed. Thank you so much. Thank you. It just leaves me to say thank you for listening to this episode of Turning Little Stones. We hope it's given you some food for thought and maybe some ideas to try. As always, you'll find the show notes for this episode together with further information, episodes and resources by heading over to our website, www.turninglittlestones.com. So until next time, goodbye. <laughs>